Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message. Good morning. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Amen. Thank you, choir, for that wonderful song. Thank you, Miss Allison, uh, for your beautiful uh, song as well. And uh, what a joy it is to watch our uh, teenagers use the talents and the gifts that God has given them. Uh, for the glory of God, and uh, that is what we are here for, uh, to give glory to God today. And, you know, it's been said that, uh, that prayer is, is our communication line to God, is the way that, that believers communicate to uh, the living God, and that He communicates to us. And um, I don't know about you, but if uh, you think back to uh, some folks in your life who uh, exhibited that uh, incredible prayer life that you just, I mean, when they prayed, it was as if uh, time stood still. And there were times when they would pray, it was as if uh, they called heaven down to earth. I'll never forget uh, all the many years um, early on in my ministry here uh, when uh, Jack Caps uh, would be asked to pray, and uh, Jack Caps uh, would pray, and uh, when he prayed, uh, your heart was stirred uh, in such a huge way. Uh, he could call down heaven on earth uh, with just a few words, and uh, it was evident that that God's uh, that communication line between Jack and God was. Uh, very clear, and it was evident that prayer was an important part of his life. There are many instances in the scripture where even believers prayed and said that the ground was shaken uh, where they were meeting at. And so prayer is obviously an important aspect of the life of a believer. Throughout Jesus' ministry, we often see the importance of prayer in his life and his ministry. Jesus modeled prayer and the importance of prayer for the disciples in those three years that they were together. He taught them how to pray, and we see that in, in the book of Matthew. Many times throughout his ministry, Jesus would leave the disciples, and he would leave the crowd, and he would get on his own so that he could spend time talking to the Father in prayer. Prayer is a powerful thing. And as we continue our study today through the book of John, we come to a place where Jesus, he's told his disciples that he would not be with them much longer, but yet that he would not leave them alone either. The last verses of chapter 16, we as we studied last week, we read these words. He says, 
I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. For in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And what a privilege and what an honor it is to know that as a follower of Christ, that we can go to the throne of God at any time, and we can pray and we can communicate with God. We can praise Him for who He is, and we can pray for those that are hurting, and we can pray for those things that are going on in our life, knowing that that God was uh, pleased with the Son, that Jesus was not a victim, but He was the victor, and that soon that He would wear the victor's crown. He says, but take heart, I've overcome the world, and as believers in Christ, because of who Jesus is, we are overcomers as well. Chapter 17 of John is what some scholars refer to as Jesus' final prayer. His disciples are still with him, and as he begins to pray to God one last time before he's arrested and crucified, what a powerful moment this must have been. In the life of the disciples, it was surely one of those moments that throughout the years after Jesus was crucified and resurrected and ascended back to the Father, and they were, in a sense, on their own, but not on their own. It was one that I'm sure that they had gone back to many times thinking of that moment that Jesus, knowing what he was about to endure thought about them. In chapter 17, let's read. It says, When Jesus had spoken these words, talking about the words he had just shared with the disciples, he lifted his eyes up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Now glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him all authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given me. And this is eternal life, that you know the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you've given, you gave to me. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I've manifested your name to the people who you gave me out of this world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me in They have kept your word. Now they know everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them and have come to know the truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that Scripture might be fulfilled. 
but now I am coming to you. And these things I speak to the world, speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they may also be sanctified in the truth. We're going to stop there for a moment. And on, we're going to just look at several things here uh, about this prayer of Jesus, this final prayer that Scripture talks about here. As Jesus is with them, there are three things that we see in Jesus' prayer. The first thing in the first five verses is this, that Jesus' prayer, Jesus prayer to be glorified. Jesus' prayer to be glorified. And Jesus asking, it's very important for us to understand that Jesus asking God to glorify him is proof of his deity. It's proof that he was truly God in the flesh. And all we have to do is go back to the first chapter of John. And we see this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. In verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. We see that as Jesus was asking the Lord to glorify him, this just proves once again to us and to the disciples here that Jesus was God in the flesh, right there in their midst, and that they have been experiencing the opportunity to spend this quality time with him. Another reason we see this as Jesus being claiming his deity was the fact that God would not give his glory to another. In Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8, we read these words as chapter 42 refers to Jesus himself. He says, I'm the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. And all the fact that Jesus was praying to be glorified shows us that God and God the Father and God the Son are one, and all because God would not give his glory to any other person because it was his and his only. It also shows us that Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus' prayer also shows the unity that exists between the Father and Son. All throughout chapter 17, we read these words about unity and about, Lord, help them be one even as we are one. There's this unity Jesus wasn't asking something in a selfish way. He was asking for something that he had laid aside when he came to earth, this, his pre-incarnate glory, as it's referred to. Jesus came to accomplish God's plan of redemption on earth and was now ready to complete it on the cross. 
Warren Wiersbe puts it this way. Our Lord began his, this prayer by praying for himself, but in praying for himself, he was also praying for us. Because he knew to complete God's plan and everything was not only going to benefit him and that he was going to have glory to give back to the Father, and all, but it was also going to benefit us because it was going to provide a way for man's restoration of that relationship between them and God. Warren Wearsby says, goes on to say that it was not just praying for himself, but he was praying for us. It reminds me of that old song, Joey. When he was on the cross, we were on his mind. And this prayer is evident that even before the cross, that we were on his mind. Before we were born, we were on his mind. There has never been a time that God didn't think of us. Everything that God has done, sending Jesus to this earth, was about restoring that relationship between God and man. We see this parallel here. We see the reason that Jesus asked to be glorified because of who he was. In Luke chapter 1, the birth of Jesus being foretold, we read these words. But the angel said to her, talking about Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Jesus praying to be glorified was not asking anything that wasn't his before he came to this earth. It was a glory that he laid aside. Verse 5 reminds us of this. He says, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had before the world existed. You see, before the world existed, Jesus had glory. And being that humble servant that he was... He lay aside his glory when he came to earth to be born. And now, in this moment, he's asking the Father to give back that pre-incarnate glory that he had so that he could glorify the Father. You see, it wasn't about, about for himself. It was about so he could glorify the Father in this. Jesus' prayer to be glorified is the first thing that we see here. The second thing that we see is Jesus' prayer for his disciples. Verses 6 through 19 shares this very well. And I'm going to read verse 9 real quick again. I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Several things that... Jesus pray about Jesus' prayer for his disciples. One, we see that Jesus prays for his disciples to have a unity among themselves. 
He knew the importance that as he was about to ascend back to the Father after going to the cross and after being resurrected, that there would be a time that he would physically be with them no longer. And he knew that there was the importance of them being unified together for the same cause to continue to share the story of Jesus, the message of the gospel with those. There's another song that we sing here often that reminds us of this. It says, we are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity will one day be restored and they'll know we are Christians. Finish it. By our love. By our love. There should be a unity among believers, among the disciples, that reflected the unity between Father and the Son. And it's as it was the same for the disciples then, it's the same for us today. There should be that unity among believers that reflect to a lost and dying world that don't understand what true peace is, that don't understand and don't feel love in this world And that's why it's important that we reflect that unity between the Father and the Son. Because if we don't reflect it, no one else will. But just as Jesus completed the task and accomplished God's plan that God had given him, we are to accomplish that plan as well, and that's to share the good news. Jesus had given the disciples God's word. We read in, throughout the scripture here. There in verses through 19 through 6 through 19. He had given them God's word. And he says this, I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. God's word is his gift to us. Let us not take his word for granted. It is what helps guide us and helps guide our decisions each and every day. It is what helps us understand more and more about God. Just as Jesus had given the word to the disciples, we have God's written revelation right here in our hand. Let me ask you a question today, church. How often do you take this for granted? If we were to ask David and Martha, being missionaries in another world, If they took this word for granted. If you ask those followers of Christ that are living in places where Christianity is against the law. If they take this word for granted, what would their answer be? 
You see, so many times, I think in our, in our life as here, uh, where persecution is, is on a whole different level. Just like we take, we take our church family for granted sometimes. We take God and we take his word for granted so many times. Why? Because, because it's so easily accessible. And there is no, there's no constant fear that we'll be without it. Christmas is about God giving us, giving the world the greatest gift of all. May we treat his word as a great gift as well. If you want to know who God is, if you want to know what God is like, all you have to do is read his word. If you want to know what you're like and what, what I'm like, all you have to do is read its word. If you want to know about, hey, how should I react to this decision? How should I, how should I you know, make a decision on, on this particular situation that I'm in? Open up God's word. It's there. It's there to guide us. It's there to bring us comfort, to bring us joy, to bring us peace. Jesus had given the disciples God's word. It says, And the world had hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. As followers of Christ, and you know, our lives should look different from those that don't know Christ. How else will they know the love of God except from someone who is a follower of God? How else will they know in all the hope and peace that comes in a relationship with Jesus if we don't exhibit that in our own lives? You see, as followers of Christ, we are not, we're in the world, but we're not of it, as the Word says. And all, we have different desires, we have different goals, we have different values. In many ways, we have a different God. Because their God is one of many things. If you're a follower of Christ and think that everything's going to be hunky-dory and everything's going to be great for you, and that the world's just going to love you for who you are, and all, then you're not reading the same word that I'm reading. Because Jesus says right here, he says, I've given them the, the word, and the world hates them. Because they're not of the world. We should expect that from people that don't know what true love is. We should expect that from people who've not yet found that true peace. It's been said... I think in one of our, um, our musicals over the years, that peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of God. Do you have that peace today? Do you have that peace? 
There should be a unity among us that reflects the same unity that the Father and Son shares. And Jesus' prayer for his disciples was one of unity, one of togetherness. Think back throughout the scriptures. When Jesus was still on earth with his disciples, you had two of them that were talking about, well, uh, positions. And my, hey, I want, to sit, I want to sit on the right hand of the Father. You had, you had mothers uh, saying, hey, Jesus, when you get into your throne and all, can, uh, can, can my sons have, have this position? I'm sure there were bickering and fighting over. I mean, Peter often stuck his foot in his mouth by the things that he said. He knew that unity was going to be a big part of how the gospel was going to be effective in the lives of those who would hear it in the, from the disciples. And the last thing that we see here, the third thing in this prayer of Jesus, not only did Jesus pray for his disciples, but Jesus, we see Jesus' prayer for future believers. Those people that were considered of the world, those people that had not found hope yet, but Jesus prayed for those disciples, those future believers. In verse 20, he says this, I do not ask for these only, talking about the, the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world... Don't, don't miss this. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. The third thing we see is Jesus' prayer for future believers. And in Jesus' prayer, it was similar to the one... Uh, for the disciples in this, that Jesus also prayed that those that would believe because of the testimony of the disciples, he prayed for unity among those believers as well. Jesus' prayer was for those who would believe in Jesus because of the testimony of the disciples. It's been said that our life is like a billboard. It's a message to the world. My question to you and I today is that as people are driving down the road of life and they're reading our billboards and they're reading our message and, our, and they're seeing and hearing our testimony, does it stir them to believe in the same Jesus?
And it was simple. His prayer was so that the world, the world would believe the message of Jesus. Man, think about this. How awesome is it to know that Jesus loves you and me enough to pray for us even before we were born? How awesome is it to know that Jesus was praying for those, those who would come to believe in the future. Not only was it those here in biblical times, but it's also those of us that have come to believe here in 2022. We see Jesus' heart in this prayer. That it wasn't just, it wasn't a selfish prayer. It was, it was a prayer for God, about God's glory. It was a prayer for those that he had spent three years with. That he had called to be fishers of men. But it's also a prayer for you and I today. Those that would believe in, the, in me through their word. Because of their testimonies and their word, we have this. The written word of God in our hands. To know who God is. To know what he's like. To know the love of God. To know the peace of God. To know the joy of the Lord. Prayer is a powerful thing. Jesus was praying for himself. He prayed for his disciples, but he also he prayed for others as well. He modeled the importance of prayer for us. How often do we pray for other believers? That God would, would allow them to be strong. That God would protect them in times of trials and temptations. That he would protect them, as Jesus said, from the evil one. How often do you and I pray for other believers? Brothers and sisters in Christ, that are part of the same family of God, who worship the same God, who share the same struggles that we share. How often do we pray for each other, church? That's what shows unity and love to a lost and dying world. But I ask you this other question. How often do we pray for those that are not yet believers? How often do we pray for those that are, that are hurting and that don't have hope because they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ? How often in our, in our prayers are they on our minds? Because it's obvious that they were on Jesus' mind right here. 
and knowing what he was about to go through, knowing that in just a little while he was going to be arrested, he was going to be beaten, he was going to be mocked, he was going to be crucified. Yet they were on his mind. Are they on yours? Are they on mine? May it be said of us today that we are people of prayer. May it be said of us today that we are people who display unity and trust in Lord God and love not only for God but love for those that have not yet found the peace that and joy that we found. There's power in prayer. There's power in love and unity among believers. Warren Wiersbe puts it this way, There is every reason why believers should love one another and live in unity. We trust the same Savior and share the same glory, and one day we will enjoy the same heaven. So may we present clearly what it's like to be part of the family of God. John 13, 34 and 35. Verse 35, Jesus says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. May we love today, church. May we be known for our love. May we be known for our unity. May we be known for our, our constant prayers for each other and for those that are seeking the one that can change and transform their life forever and experience the joy of the Lord this time. This Christmas. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity will one day be restored. And they'll know that we're Christians by our love. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for modeling the importance of prayer, not only in your life, but in this time before you were getting ready to go through an excruciating pain, being arrested, being denied by those that you were closest to, and being crucified for the sins of the world. To pay the debt that we couldn't pay. To show your love for us. Father, I pray that today, Lord, that, that when we pray, that we are so in sync with you. Lord, that it's as if heaven is called down when we pray. 
It's as if the Lord is right here. And Father, I pray right now for someone in this room today. Lord, I I pray that they would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ because the testimony of His Word. Lord, may we turn our eyes upon Jesus today. Because He is worthy of the honor and glory that we can give. And may the world that we connect with on a daily basis come to know Christ because of our testimony of how Jesus has changed our life and wants to change theirs. In your name we pray. Amen. As we come to this time of response, I don't know what, how God's spoken to you. I know how He's spoken to me all week. I know how He's spoken to me today, even as I preached. But if there's a decision that you need to make, and all, if you need to just come down to the altar, if there's, if there's loved ones, if there's, there's friends, if there's co-workers that, that you've been praying for, that God has just laid on your heart, and, and all, come to the altar and pray for them. Pray that they would come to know the peace that you have as a believer in Christ. If there's other decisions to be made, if you want to join the church, if, you want to, if you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life, but you've not taken that next step in believer's baptism, then we'd love to talk to you about that. You know, but you respond, not because of something that I've said, but because of what the Holy Spirit has shared in your heart. Let's stand. I'm going to ask Jack to come down. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.